So if I titled our talk today, it would be Connected. Here's a statement I would make as we kind of get rolling. Life can be very difficult at times. Come on. Life is difficult, period. We all go through uh, conflict. We all go through pain. Life is very difficult for all of us. So the person sitting next to you, and the person sitting in front of you, and the person sitting behind you has experienced pain and turmoil and disruption in their life, just like you have. We establish here at the cross that the universal language is suffering. So I know that every person walk, walking into this room today has experienced suffering and pain in their life. Here's some things I know. Everybody will experience problems. Everybody. You cannot schedule and plan your problems. You ever notice that? If we could put those things, man, on our calendar saying, you know, I'm feeling pretty good. I think next Friday at around 1 will be the next time I will encounter a problem. We, we, we don't schedule them. The problem with problems is they come in different shapes and sizes. Sometimes they're massive. Sometimes they're small. But problems, they, they, they come in a variety of colors. And we've all gone through them. But here's the deal. Problems can be very purposeful. Problems can be very purposeful. When you experience problems, and we've all had them, problems create tension. And there's this tension in the soul that's going to create movement. When you experience problems, you're going to move in one of two ways. You're either going to move toward isolation or you're going to move toward connectivity. A lot of people, when they get hurt, when they get wounded, when they get knocked down, they get frustrated and they want to isolate. Now, reality is, if we ever needed connection and community, it's when we're going through sorrow and pain and issues in our journey. But a lot of people choose to isolate. Now, a premise statement would be this. God has created each and every one of us for the purpose of relationship. You were created for the purpose of relationship. The root word of relationship is the word relate. The word relate means to connect with in purpose, meaning, and in thought. So you are here for the sole purpose of relationship on this planet. First and foremost, to be vertical with God. And then secondly, to be horizontally connected with other people. God created us to be relational beings. The Greek word that you find when you start thinking about uh, this whole thing of connectivity is the word koinonia. It's a word that appears oftentimes in Scripture talking about uh, the connection of believers. The English word is the word fellowship. When we hear the word fellowship, the word koinonia, what we're talking about is being connected together under the umbrella of Christ. Now, here would be a working definition for fellowship or koinonia. You can, I think it may be in your bulletin, but you can also make some notes on this one as well. Uh, uh, fellowship and koinonia it's a group of people who share a kindred spirit with one another because of Jesus when we use the word fellowship what we're saying is because of our repentance of sin and our faith and trust in Jesus Christ we can come together 
because of this kindred relationship we have with our older brother Jesus as we bow before the Father. So when you see the word fellowship, it, it, it implies this kindredness. Number two, it means that they meet consistently together to engage in Christ-centered worship. We'll get to that in a bit on how some people try to forsake it. But when we come to faith in Christ, oh, how good and how blessed it is when the body of Christ comes together and dwells in unity and oneness with one another. And so the word fellowship or koinonia or being connected is all about engaging. Third thing is this. We do life together with a common mission. So, so two passages you could write down would be Acts 2. When the early church was started, they came together, they broke bread, they prayed together, they did life together, they shared what they had in common. They they were in community together, they were kindred, they engaged with each other, but they were also committed to a common mission, Matthew 28, where Jesus says, go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. So when we're doing community life, uh, connectivity together and fellowship, what we're saying is these components right here should be alive. Make sense? Come on. Come on, guys. I ain't up here doing monologue. I'm dialogue. What's up with y'all? All right. Come on. So, the passage that speaks so strong here to me is Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25. And it's a, it's a very strong passage where uh, the writer of the book of Hebrews is encouraging people with connection. Listen to what he says. Let us hold tightly to the hope we have for God can be trusted. Let us hold tightly to the hope that we have God can be trusted. This is dealing with salvation. Because of our faith and trust in Jesus, he's rescued us from the domain of darkness. He's, he's delivered us from, right? He's delivered us from, but he's also delivered us to. Let us hold tightly to him who's rescued us, who says no man will ever be able to take you out of my hand. Let us hold tightly to the hope to the hope. Then he says, let us consider how we can stimulate one another to love and good deeds. How do you stimulate one another to love and good deeds? I've got a TENS machine at home, a little TENS unit, and uh, I used to have to use electric stem all the time, but I've got a jacked up neck and a jacked up back and jacked up shoulder. I I got a a lot of parts that just don't function the way they used to, but I got this little TENS unit and I put these little pads and turn that electric stem and it, what it does is it stimulates the muscle to create better blood flow. Let us come together as a body. Let us stimulate the muscle, the member of the body of Christ that's become lethargic and tired, ain't doing anything. That's what he's saying. Come on. Come on. That's what he's saying. Come on. let, let, let Let us do this. Let us hold tightly, but let us stimulate one another. Go love people. Go do good deeds. And he says, let us not forsake the assembly as someone's in the habit of doing. There ain't no long range of Christianity. Don't unplug. Don't disengage. Make sure you stay connected. So he's talking about salvation. He's talking about sanctification. He's talking about sharing life together. And then he said, let us encourage one another. Let us strengthen each other every day. Get together. Do life together. You're a part of a body. You're not an individual only. And so that's kind of the emphasis of where we're going to build today. Now, the mission of the Cross Loganville, our church, when you look at who we are, what's the mission? The mission is to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ to Loganville and beyond. We want to proclaim Jesus, the gospel, in word and in deed, with our walk and our talk. We want Jesus to be central in everything we do. Jesus elevated, glorified. Jesus is the one 
who started the church, hey, it's all about you. We want to make you known. One of the verses that really fuels who we are is Galatians 5, 6. And it says the one thing and the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. So if I've got genuine faith in Yeshua Jesus as being Lord and Savior, as I live out this mission in the context of community and fellowship, he says it's going to express itself in love. True faith in Christ, Christ now being the Lord and master of your life, is going to express itself in love. Agape is that unconditional love we extend to other people. And then when you start to look at it, reality is love defined is always doing that which is most redemptive for the other person. So love is never self-seeking. Love is never about what I can get out of it. When we think about living out this mission of proclaiming Christ, we're always doing that which extends the heartbeat of heaven to other people in genuine faith and love. Everybody good? It's good to know who we are if you're going to hang with us. People are uh, visiting with us. We've got a ton of people visiting for the first time today, but I want you to know who we are. Now, the mission motivates our vision of how we do things. Now, vision is really taking the invisible and trying to make it, uh, trying to make it visible to the people that you're working with. That's true vision, right? Our vision is to be a Bible-based community of intimate followers of Jesus. So we do not negotiate the Word of God. We don't compromise the Word of God. We preach the word, we preach the truth, we seek to do it with uh, love and humility. Uh, we seek to always be ready to give an answer for the hope that we have within us based on 1 Peter 3.15, but we're, we're going to teach the word of God. So what we're establishing here is a word-based community, listen, listen to me, a word-based community that does this. We're intimate followers of Jesus. I got you five little things right here. We encounter God through worship and word. You come in here, and you hang out with us on a Sunday morning, and you're like, uh, man, I really feel like I can encounter God. I've had so many people tell me over the last six years, you, you know, I came out of some legalism. I came out of being beat up in the, my life, and every time I leave here, I feel like I'm getting closer to God. I feel like I encountered God. I feel like God's loving on me more. That's what we do, worship. We're surrendering. We're coming together. We want you to encounter God, too. We engage the lost through outreach. We're involved in missions. We care about fulfilling the Great Commission. We've got 13 men, I'm talking men, leaving here Tuesday morning at 5.30, heading down to the ATL, Atlanta Airport. They're going wheels up to Mexico. I'm talking about guys giving up a week of vacation, guys who are willing to go serve. 13 of our men are going to serve and engage with the lost and outreach. If that don't fire you up, your wood's wet. Come on, man. You got to get pumped <laughs> that we've got men stepping out doing things like this. Yes. Another thing we're committed to is exhorting the believer through discipleship. We want to build you up. We want to see you grow. Jesus calls us to be disciples, not just believers. He calls us to walk in the dust of Rabbi Jesus. So we've got our foundations class, man. It is growing. We've got a dollars and cents class, which means that we're trying to help you with some common sense and biblical sense on how to deal with money. We've got a marriage class. We want to help you there. We've got a stronger body. We want to see you healthy physically, mentally, spiritually. We want to see you eating right. we got small groups bloom, arise. We got stuff you can get plugged into if you choose to stay isolated. It ain't my problem. Did you hear me? 
if you choose to stay isolated and play long range of Christianity, don't you be blowing me up over here talking about, well, I just don't know what to do. That matters to us. Here's another one. We edify the body through fellowship. Ooh, that's where we're going to land today, right? So that, that matters to us. Cross link. I mean, getting involved. And then we expand the kingdom through service and ministry. We love, we give, we serve, we encourage, etc. Now, authentic community and fellowship motivates us. It motivates us here at the cross with our staff to live a life that we call being par. P-A-R. Write this down. I want to play par. I'm not trying to birdie every hole. Don't want to bogey it, but I want to play par every day. Come on, Jeff. This is the way we want to play. What do you mean by par, Tim? I want to live every day being purposeful. Yeah. I want to be accountable, and I want to be responsible. I seek that in my own mind. What are you trying to do? I'm just trying to play par today. I want to live a par life today. I want to be purposeful with God. Purposeful with the way God's wired me. I want to be accountable. I want to be responsible. Man, that's where I'm, that's how I want to play every day. Now, here's a conclusion I made before I came over here this morning. And, and, and I think it's an accurate conclusion. I believe that every person that drove onto this campus and has walked into this building today, here's what I believe. Here's what I believe. I believe each and every one of you walked in today, really deep down inside, you are desiring to live the victorious life in Christ. I made that conclusion before I came over here today. I concluded that I, I didn't think I would engage with any one of you today that would pull onto the grounds and, and walk into the building saying, I want to live as a deadbeat, defeated, disrupted, discouraged person. The reason I'm here today is because I'm a deadbeat want to stay there. You would have kept your butt in bed. Come on, tell the truth. So I made a conclusion before I drove over here today, Carolyn. I made a conclusion that everybody coming in here today, deep down inside, they're wanting to believe what God believes about them, and they want to live the victorious life in Christ. I believe that about you. Now, we, 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 we got we to get there. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says this, two are better than one. They have a good return for their work. So if we're striving to live a victorious life that continues to grow in Christ, one of the things under the umbrella of fellowship, koinonia, of being connected, is that I can't do it by myself. I've got to have relationships. I value relationships of, of people that are helping me grow, people that encourage, people that help sustain me as I go through the storms of life. We encourage connectivity, and we encourage fellowship. Now, I got my toys with me today. How many of y'all, ooh-wee, I've done bought so many of these things over the years. Legos. How many of y'all ever played with Legos? Come on, Casey, raise your hand. I know you got them boys you play with Legos. How many of y'all have played with Legos? How many of you have almost lost your salvation at 2 in the morning when you got up to go pee and you stepped on a Lego? <laughs> How many of y'all had words pop in your mind? Maybe they didn't come out of your mouth and you hadn't fallen up since you got saved. Legos, here's the deal. Now, here's the reality. These things, this company, I started doing a little research on Legos. The company is worth $7.5 billion. Stay hot. If I gave this to you and told you, hey, go give this to your son as a gift from me. 
Tell him I wanted him to have something. He would look at you and say, tell I you to go fly a kite. What am I supposed to do with that? When you study Legos, Legos are designed for one reason. Come on. What are they designed for? Yes, they're built to connect. They're built to go with other Legos. You will see Legos. You will see commercials for Legos. You will see Legos with kids playing with them. The next time you see them, I pray that the Holy Spirit illuminates your mind saying, got it. God has wired me to connect. God has not wired me to be an isolated piece. God has connected. Yeah, he's wired me to connect with the body of Christ. I'm one member of the body. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, all these gifts and stuff. And so you have been created for the purpose of connectivity. One of these little things right here, what are you going to do with it? And there's so many people that have been hurt, have been confused, have been betrayed, have been rejected whether it be in relationships, whether it be in church, and the enemy will come and say, you don't need it. And God is going, no, I designed you for the purpose of connection. You have been created for relationship, to connect in purpose, meaning, and thought vertically and horizontally. All right, everybody with me? Yeah, so we're just a bunch of Legos in here today. Is that cool? But if you could even get there in your mind... If you could really get there in your mind, you wouldn't elevate this Lego or the Lego that had a guitar around his neck and think that they're special Legos. You would just see them as Legos that connect with other Legos that are just one member of the body of Christ just like you are. I may have some gifts of proclamation and teaching, but I'm just a... I told y'all this ain't monologue. Come on, out of the mouth of babes. It's about time. Jesus said the rocks would cry out. Right? So here, here's, here's, here's where I'm going to roll it. So being connected and being in healthy fellowship really does produce accountability. And I want to hit this one with you. Accountability is very important for me. I'm accountable to Nick Slade, Steve Trailer, Chad Daniel, Scott Cabanis. I mean, I have elders. I'm... Steve Joyner, I mean, you guys, I'm accountable to you. Okay, here's what I mean by that. I'm not accountable. I'm not accountable to Carol Joyner, to Tammy Cabinus. Women go with women. Dudes with dudes. Y'all hear me talking? But I'm accountable to these brothers, Nick and these guys. And what, what we mean by accountability is this. I give you permission to count my abilities that God's given me with me. But you give me permission to count the abilities that God has given you. Accountability doesn't mean that I've got permission to judge you, blow you up, and slander you. True, authentic accountability, and the word properly defined is, I give you permission to count my abilities with me. Why? Because we're part of a body. We're Legos, brother, okay? And the Legos come together, and we help build and establish each other. Now, this is simple. I'm talking simple stuff, but it's so profound at the same time. So, Jesus-centered fellowship inspires some key characteristics. Don't miss these. 
honesty and transparency. Cards on the table, the good, the bad, the ugly, no fragmenting of disclosure. I don't triangulate when I'm living in accountability. I don't go to Chad if I've got a problem with Steve because I'm trying to get a message to him. I go to Steve, cards on the table. We cannot be afraid of the conflict that honesty brings at times. When I get gut level honest and we sit around, we're collaborating, we love each other. So listen, cards on the table, transparency and honesty. Second thing is humility. I've got to swallow the pride and allow someone else to count the abilities that God's given me with me and say, hey, 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 man, I'm, I'm working through some confusion and chaos. Can you walk with me? Absolutely. Chad, we do that with each other. We've done it with other brothers, okay? So we believe that being fully known means that you have a chance of being fully alive. But you won't be fully alive if you're not fully known. So if you're hiding and posing and pretending and manipulating and twisting all kinds of crap, there ain't no life in that. We believe that in true, authentic accountability and fellowship and connectivity, there has to be respect, which means I give you room to breathe. I, I give you room to grow, room to struggle. You can have conflict even in marriage. You can have conflict in friendship. It, it's going to happen. But sometimes the pace of your processing and healing might be quicker than the person you're married to. If I truly love the person that I'm married to or the friendship that I'm involved in here, I can't say that here's the pace you ought to process this stuff at. It jacks up relationship. I've got to respect you enough to give you room to breathe. Here's another one. Fellowship, it inspires confidentiality. So when I sit down and say, Chad, here's what I'm going through. Chad don't have permission to tell everybody on the planet what I'm going through. Same thing. What did y'all talk about? We had a good talk. Don't worry about it. Because it doesn't belong to anybody else. Did you, did you hear that? There's stuff that happens here. My kids ain't got a clue. Barb and I will shut the door and work through and talk through some things that we're dealing with. My kids don't have a clue. You know why? Because it don't belong to them. And there's certain conversations that I have that don't belong to her. Confidentiality. And oh, let me go on and hit this one too. Dependability and reliability. Which means you've got to show some consistency in the koinonia and fellowship. There's cats that show up once a month talking about, I can't believe you won't let me play the drums or sing or something. Nick, don't let them play. They don't show up. You don't show up once a month and play on my team. Come on. My buddy Kevin Reach, it was in the first service. He just uh, took the uh, Monroe area football job. He's been the head football coach at Collins Hills for quite a few years, but he wants to really infiltrate this culture here with the gospel. Do you think he's going to let a kid quarterback his high school football team that shows up for practice once every three weeks? He's not even going to let that dude take water out to the players. And I think one of the things lacking at times is people, they're just not consistent and dependable. They tell you, hey, man, I'll meet you at 9, and they show up at 9.30. That happens once or twice with me, and it's like, hey, dude, I ain't got time for it. Because true, authentic fellowship has to be reliable and dependable. Now, why is it so important to get connected? We'll give you four simple things in closing. Meaningful relationships are developed. When you start to get connected, meaningful, deep relationships can be developed. Ecclesiastes 4.10, if one person falls, the other one can reach out and help. But people who are alone, when they fall, are in real trouble. 
Hey, when you're walking with somebody else and you trip, when you walk with somebody else and you struggle, when you walk with someone else and you, you hit a, a, a few real turbulent problems back to back, when you're hanging with somebody else, they'll look and say, he ain't heavy. He's my brother. We're walking together. But woe is the man who is a lone ranger that has no one walking with him. That's the whole emphasis. So we're all going to struggle. We're all going to stumble. But we can have like incredible danger in our lives if we don't have connectivity and fellowship around us when we're going through it. I'm not going to judge you. We're going to walk together. We're going to walk it out together. But people that are lone rangers, oh, here's one of the major hurdles to overcome. My problems, Tim, are unique. If someone really knew the real me, they wouldn't like me. If they knew the real me, they would reject me. I'm telling you right now, 7 o'clock, Thursday night, in the kitchen. Come on, Butch. Shelly, Bobby, Richard, you guys. You know when people come to our recovery class, they may have mind monsters. They may have these fears of rejection. They may be thinking, hey, if they really knew how jacked up I was... They would reject me. Can I tell you something? We can't love the real you until you share the real you. When people start to disclose and they're able to overcome that fear and that phobia and that mind monster, well, if they really knew me, they would reject me. No, no, they would love you because the agape of Christ is wanting to minister to each and every one of us. We've got to overcome that obstacle. Some of you walk in here today and you feel like whatever you're going through is unique. I mean, I made reference last week. One girl in this room right now confessed to my wife that she went on a, about a 25-day meth trip and did not sleep. Can I tell you something? For her to be able to confess that and share that because she knew God was healing her, God had forgiven her. You think Barb shamed her and guilted her? Man, I love you. Thank you for telling me that. Thank you for disclosing that. We can pray together. We can work together. Nobody's going to throw you out. It's only when we lie and we hide and we pretend that we're not going to experience healing in our journey. Here's a key verse right here for me. Galatians, <clears throat> Galatians 6, 2. Help carry each other's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. Listen, listen, listen. The law of Christ, not the law of Moses, not the law of the Old Testament, not the law of performance. What is the law of Christ? The law of Jesus Christ is loving, is extending, that he would say, greater love has no one than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. I call you my friends because I love you. When we carry each other's burdens, it doesn't mean that whatever you're going through, David, all of a sudden I go, well, just give it to me and I'm going to carry it. No, it means God is, he's got some stuff on you. But, but, but you're getting weak, you're getting tired, and it may be me and another dude coming saying, we're going to carry, which means we're going to get under that load with you. We're going to bear some of the weight. And when you start to live in an authentic community, we can bear the weight with one another. We can shoulder some of the load together. And all of us are going to get weighed down and tired at times. But woe to the person who's a lone ranger who doesn't have it. The law of Christ is to love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. Care about your neighbor. Second thing, 
meaningful relationships are developed. It encourages me to be real. I got to be real. I got to be transparent. He said, I saw something meaningless under the sun, Ecclesiastes 7, uh, chapter 4, 7, and 8. I saw something meaningless. I saw a man who is all alone. He's without child or brother, yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. And then he asked himself, who am I working for? It's all so depressing. I saw a man. He wasn't married. He had no family. He had no kids. He was a workaholic. He had all this money he was making. But then he sat there and said, what, what, what am I doing it for? Who am I doing it for? This is so depressing. So here, here, here's the thing. God is not calling you to share your life with everybody, but he is calling you to share your life with some people. And, and if you don't have anybody in your world, if you don't have any connection points, any spiritual mentors and other people that you can lean into, you're in bad danger. And God is calling us to be formed for his family, which means the body has to work together. Romans chapter 12 says, rejoice with those who rejoice. When you have a celebratory moment, like with Aquarius, it is good to rejoice with those who are rejoicing. Right? And that would have sucked if he would have gone to that party and he would have been the only one there that night. But all these people are showing up. And I'm like, people are celebrating. What were they doing? They were rejoicing with him. When you've got this high, don't you want to share it with somebody? Dude, you're not going to believe what happened. Yes. But when you've got a low... Weep with those who weep. When you're living in community, connected, koinonia, fellowship. Come on. We're able to walk through the peaks and valleys together. Here's a hurdle to overcome. They're, they're going to see my dark side. And when they see my dark side, I'm toast. No. They've got a dark side too. You, you think they're perfect. They're just a Lego, baby. Some Legos have been dirtied. Some have been beaten up a little bit. But they're a Lego. Sheeple. That's all we are. Here's the third thing. This one helped me big time. Connectivity, fellowship, koinonia. It inspires us to seek godly counsel. And it's so huge. Because each and every one of us, we've got friends in our life right now that will tell us what we want to hear. But godly counsel tells us what we need to hear. And, 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 and there's a lot of people that'll tell you what you want to hear. They may want your money. They may want your vacation home. They may want, they may want whatever. But true friends tell you what you need to hear. Listen to what he says, Proverbs 12, 15. Fools are headstrong and do what they want. They just do what they like to do. But then he says this, wise people take advice. Fools isolate. Fools have written their own commentary of how life is supposed to go. Wise people seek out godly counsel. Wise people plug into other wise godly people. There's a bunch of idiots in the world. Y'all hadn't met them? There's a lot of crazy people. But there's some godly wise people in the world. Listen to what he says in Colossians 3. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you were called into one body. You were called to be a part of one body. Let 
the peace of Jesus rule. The word rule there is the word for which we get the English word umpire and officiate from. Let the peace and the presence of Jesus through the working of the Holy Spirit umpire and officiate your life every day. Let let him tell you when you're out of bounds, when you're getting too close to the sideline. The Holy Spirit saying, hey, stop, stop. You're starting to drift. Let the peace of Jesus rule. You're a part of one body. Be thankful when the peace of Christ is ruling. That's what he's saying. Let the word of Christ richly dwell in your heart. Yes. Let the word, let the peace of Jesus, the person of Christ, uh, the presence of the Holy Spirit, let him have total freedom and reign. But stay in the word. Let the word of God richly dwell in you. Don't, Don't lose it. I mean, meditate on it day and night. Don't lose the word. Then he says, with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with thankfulness in your hearts for God. So when we come alongside each other, it's wisdom. And and so when we're doing it, it's teaching and admonishing. The word admonish means to correct those who are being led astray. Did you get that? I got to admonish. I want to correct you because you're starting to drift astray. So I I got saved in 1985, and I came out of the world, okay, straight living it up. College, first few years of pro ball, I'm a pagan. I get saved in October of 85. Jesus, I want to walk with you. Jesus, I want to know you. Jesus, I want to submit to you. My man, Walter. This dude, man, he'd been saved about six or seven years, puts his arm around me. He starts to disciple me. I'm hanging out with Walter. He gets me into the Word. We're praying. We're really seeking the heart of God together. Yes, my man, Walter. So, right before I go to spring training in 1986, I'll leave at the end of February, early March. I'm getting ready to take off to go play ball. About mid-February, they're having this little thing at this church we were going to. And this girl comes up to me who is married to the the worship pastor at that time. She comes up to me and says, if we lived in the days of Solomon, I could be one of your concubines. I'm like, I've already been jacked up. I'm trying to run from promiscuity and sex and alcohol and all these less wild lovers. And I'm like, that girl's jacked up. She's messed up. So I'm telling my man, Walt, I had enough of it. It's stinking, flirtatious crap. Man, I can get that at the bars. Uh-uh. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to meet and hang with Jesus. I've had enough of it. No, no, no. No, dude, I am tapped out. I ain't playing that game. I don't know much. I just met Jesus a few months before. I, I'm trying to really walk with Jesus. And Walter comes over to my house. It's helped me so much. This was an admonishing moment in my journey, a defining moment. I'll never forget this conversation. So he comes over to my house and he says this. That that ticked you off, didn't it? I said, yes. He goes, well, it ticked me off too. I said, good. I'm ticked. So you don't want to go back up there? No, I don't want to go back up there. He goes, you willing to memorize a verse with me? I'm like, sure. So he opens the Bible to 2 Corinthians 11.3. Okay, so he opens his Bible. He said, check this verse out. Check, check this verse out. Admonishing. It says, I'm afraid, just as the serpent deceived Eve with all of his craftiness, 
I'm afraid your minds would be led astray from simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. He goes, check it out. He goes, the serpent deceived Eve. It's possible for all of us to be deceived at times, right? I said, he goes, how about you and I making a vow and a pledge with each other? How about you and I pledge, no matter what they do in the church house, the schoolhouse, the outhouse, or whatever house, what, let's me and you make a vow that we're going to be committed to simplicity and purity of devotion to Jesus and Jesus will drive who we are. Can I tell you something? That was a defining moment because some of you come in here and you've been bruised by church, you've been beaten up, and, and you've been hurt. And some of you are going, I don't even know if I want it anymore. This whole thing, connection, fellowship, koinonia, whatever. I'm afraid, just as the serpent tempted Eve with his craftiness, that you would unplug and be led astray and you would forfeit simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. So, like Walter did with me, 1986, 31 years ago, bam, defining moment. I'm putting my arm around you right now saying, how about you? What do you say we make a, a pledge together? What do you say that we today agree that the simplicity and purity of devotion to Jesus will drive us and we refuse to allow the enemy to come in and lead us astray. Yeah, we're going to jack some stuff up around here occasionally, but what do you say we keep our eyes on Jesus and pull in the same direction and stay connected for his name's sake? You willing to do that with me? Come on. Yeah, that's where we're living. All right, last point. So when... So when we're uh, connected, <laughs> Jesus is exalted and the body of Christ is alive. Yes, when you get connected and you're not forsaking the assembly, when we do that, Christ is exalted. You know the Lord's Prayer. Come on. We know the Lord's Prayer, right? John 17. Don't, don't give me that disciples' prayer stuff. I'm talking about the Lord's Prayer. Father, my prayer is that they would be one as you and I are one. What glorifies the heart of heaven is when we're living in oneness. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, Ephesians 4, when we're together and preserve the unity of the Spirit. So when we do that, we hurt together and we heal together. We mourn together and we laugh together. We, we, we go through valleys together and hurt together, but we peek out and celebrate together. And, and so some of you, you've lost loved ones. You walk in here and you're going, it hurts. You've been abused. You've been molested. You've been violated. You've been divorced. You've been beat up. You've been lied about. Your reputation has been slandered. And, and it results in a broken heart for all of us when we go through painful times. And, and, and there's two, two things we'll do. Again, isolate or connect with the same thing vertically with God. We either suppress or we confess. When you suppress, you're pushing all this bitterness and all this resentment and all this frustration down. And bitterness does more to the vessel in which it is stored than it does to the object on which it is being poured. So you're actually killing yourself. You're drinking the poison and thinking the other person's going to die and it doesn't happen. But when you confess... 
you're able to share your heart with other people and you start to say the same thing God says, confess, homologia in the Greek, we're able to confess and the body starts coming alive. James chapter 5, he says, confess your sins to one another. Yeah, why? Confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another so that you may be healed. Confess, share, love, pray for one another, cry out to Jesus together. You're all broken Legos coming together to connect for the glory of God. You can do this. Pray, confess. And then when you get together, the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. So one of the things we do week after week after week after week Every Sunday, we have prayer time and communion time because broken Legos come in here who are disconnected and they believe somewhere down inside their soul that that God still is for them. And they deep down inside want to live the victorious life in Christ. They really, really do. But they know, I I just need some intercession. I'd love for a godly man or a godly woman to pray for me. The prayer of a righteous person can accomplish much. And I I just need somebody to help me today. And we want to do that. God created you to connect. God created you to be a part of the body of Christ. You were formed for his family. That's the reason you exist. Don't you want that in your life? Man, I surrender to Jesus. I worship him. And then I start to look and go, I have been formed for his family. Is iron sharpens iron. So one brother can sharpen another. One sister can sharpen another. God created you to connect. Connect vertically. Connect horizontally. 